called Turo, and I was like, uh, I think my car is stolen. The first response was, well, we can't do anything until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning when the car is supposed to be there, because technically the customers are still running the car, and they could still request an extension, or, you know, there's a lot of things that could be, and I'm like, no, I really do think the dude stole the car. Like, it's still going, it's going very fast, and it's going in the opposite direction of Florida. So, <laughs> let's, let's all come to some conclusions here. Let's stop. Be rational. This car is stolen. You need to stop. And so, they wouldn't work with me on it that night. It was, a, it was a, unfortunately, calling customer service late at night with Turo gets you a skeleton crew. First thing in the morning, I get up, I call again, and, and sure enough, the car has made it to Kentucky. And I'm like, okay, uh, now I know my car is stolen. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of live let thrive (laughs) we finally started it up man finally started it up and we finally got a tutorial person on like I've been saying what we're gonna do yes sir this is episode 82 of your favorite airbnb vrbo turo we finally get to say turo podcast and, um, the, you know, a podcast about the hustle and the bustle and making that money and using every way you can to make that money. Yeah. And today we got Chris, who is a Toro guy on, and he is from, you're from Dallas, right? Living in Dallas, right? Yep. We What's up, Chris? How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Very excited to be here. To finally be on the the greatest show on the internet, right? Well, I'm telling you. I mean, if if I get to add Turo to the end of the name there, it just gets better. (laughs) (laughs) Hells yeah. All right, Chris. Well, it's um, it's a pleasure to have you on our show. And um, go ahead and tell us a a little bit about yourself and how you got into the wonderful world of Turo and and what the hell is Turo. (laughs) not turbo, it is not Toro, it is not mow grass, and it doesn't make your car go faster, all the other things I get to hear called all the time because people don't know about it. Uh, Turo is a peer-to-peer car sharing service uh, for those who have one or two cars. It's also probably the worst hobby I've ever had because uh, it turned into a full-time sidekick. <laughs> Uh, very occupying of time and resources, but uh, anybody that's in the Airbnb space knows what that feels like, I'm sure. Uh, I started, uh, it'll be two years in May, and uh, I got into it because I was working from home, and I had two cars sitting at the driveway that were uh, nice and and just kind of doing nothing because I was working remote and not having to drive anywhere much. I said, you know, there's got to be a way to put these guys to work and uh first thought was oh, I'll, I'll go run uber on the weekend i was living in fort lauderdale at the time i just moved down there and if there's anything you know about fort lauderdale miami no no uber no don't 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 take that upon yourself if uh <laughs> you value your safety and your sanity uh so i said okay well no more uber let me park the car let me see what else is out there and uh it's kind of weird actually like the churro ad you know like everything else in the world 
appeared in Facebook, like somebody was, you know, magically trying to send it my way, uh, like the Russians, and uh, I basically jumped in with one car, uh, one turned into two, uh, two turned into me buying a third car because I never had a car, I went from having too many cars to not having any cars, and uh, actually, uh, it's just a complete reorganization over the weekend, but uh, I have six vehicles in the platform now, plus one that I manage for somebody else. You have six, wow. six cars, you said? Six cars that, uh, that I ran out on the platform myself, and then a seventh one that I, that I manage for someone else. Damn. So you, lo- so you really like this thing called Turo. You know, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit, huh? Wow. So you, so you have a total of six cars on Turo, right? Yep. And you manage one. Manage a seventh one. So yeah, at any at any given time, there's something coming or going around here. Wow. So and you said it's because my big thing is being passionate. I've, I've learned, and I know over the time you learn tools, you get tools to make things the income passive. Are those tools out there to make Toro passive, or is it really hands-on? Toro is, well, let's see. I mean, I guess when I first started, my approach was I didn't care so much about it being passive. I wanted to learn the business and understood what motivated customers to even rent from Toro to begin with. I wanted to understand what an extraordinary experience looked like because of the, the background that I come from in my day job. So. I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure that I knew what right looked like before I tried to find ways to to process improve and try to make it a bit more passive. Um, you know, with the with the business that I have, it's about forty percent airport drop off and pickup, and there's another sixty percent people show up right at my door. And as a result of showing up right at my door, those talks are pretty easy. They're they're in and out in fifteen minutes, right? It's like. Here, I've already taken all the pictures of the car for you. I've already filled up gas. I've already done everything I need to do. When you get here, I give you an overview. I answer your questions. And I send you a way. Airport is a whole different story because airport, it's okay. You have to look at your business and say, how am I going to do this in a cost-effective manner? And for me, it was about let me find somewhere to live that I sit right on the rail line. So the dark station is literally two blocks to my left. And it goes to both airports, basically, and I can offer a very uh, a, a very pleasant airport drop-off rate compared to some of my competitors because I don't have to Uber home, I don't have to have a second vehicle follow me, I can just pay dark their 2 or $3 or whatever it is and, and go on about my day. Uh, but that also involves time because then you have... It's, you know, roughly 45 minutes from here out to DFW, or it's about a half hour to do the bus to the train to here for low field. So then you start, you know, kind of having to package up the cost of that time as well. But, um, you know, for a lot of a lot of things now, I've kind of moved to the model of lockboxes and, and being able to, as a matter of fact, uh, the first thing this morning, drop the car off at the airport, pick the car up from the airport, uh, your customer gets there in the afternoon. They they see a description on exactly where it is in the garage. They have photographs that kind of leave like you know Hansel and Gretel and the breadcrumbs, but nobody's going in the oven. And they're going to uh, they're going to get to the car and yeah, they get excited about it when they get to the end. They're like, I found it! I found it! You got to be real and kind of play along with them and hype it up a little bit. But 
And for the most part, uh, Turo customers are, are pretty cool, right? Like they're pretty self-sufficient. I, I don't have a ton of issues. So while they're out and while they're rented, it's pretty passive. I, I don't have to worry about too, too much. Right, right, right. Mm. So what kind of protection? Because like Airbnb offers the million-dollar host guarantee, but it ain't guaranteed. Uh, does, uh, Turo, does Turo offer any uh, type of insurance for you? So, Turo offers us a choice of protection plans as a host, and then they also offer some coverage to uh, to our renters as well. Uh, I, I, I basically, you give 25, on average, you give 25% of your income to Turo to cover you under a million dollar liability policy. Um, and pretty much to manage the claim process for you uh, should there be any sort of accident. But challenge is, like everything else, and I'm sure you all face this in the Airbnb space, it's, it's about proof, right? It's about who did it and how it happened. and uh, it, You can establish that it's the, the renter at hand that has caused the issue. So, you know, where we get asked, uh, a Turo system asks you to take 10 pictures of the car. Well, any, any established Turo host knows that the, that's a laughing stock, right? Like, the average Turo host takes probably 50, 60, 70, 80 pictures of their car before they send them out, and they try to get every single corner that they possibly can, every single part of the interior that they can, because the customer knocks your rearview mirror off, and you don't have a photo in your pre-trip photo showing that the rearview mirror was there. They're not going to pay the claim. So you get used to kind of wow. working with their their claims department and understanding what 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 limitations they will apply to things. Uh, mechanical damages were even worse, right? So like I won't buy any vehicle that has a manual transmission because I don't want to have to fight with uh, dealing with somebody who's burned up a clutch and then having to go back and establish it with that customer who did it and fighting that battle. Whereas some of my peers will be like, here, let me put my fifty, sixty thousand dollar Corvette with a six speed in there and say, here, have at it, you know, $199 a day, that looks great, I'm going to make all this money, and then somebody burns your clutch. So then you're like, okay, well, that's not, you know, that's not how we wanted that to go. But so it's just like everything else. It has its ups and downs. Uh, I've had vehicles wrecked. Uh, as a matter of fact, the second time I rented my first vehicle, it was stolen. Uh, I, had a, I had an ID verification issue, and... They, um, it was when I was in Fort Lauderdale, they took my Cadillac and, and it was the day before it was supposed to return. And I was like, okay, let me, let me look at OnStar. Let me I'm still kind of hesitant, scared, like, I wonder where my car is. And I have to hang it on OnStar and it's like in Georgia. And I'm like, okay, well, um, hmm, you remember that mass problem when we were kids with trains and the opposite stations at different speeds and when will they re- well yeah this car was not getting back in 10 hours I just knew <laughs> so I called Turo and I was like uh, I think my car is stolen and the first response was well we can't do anything until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning when the car is supposed to be there because technically the customer is still running the car and they could still request an extension or you know, there's a lot of things that could be and I'm like no I really do think the dude stole the car like it's still going it's going very fast and it's going in the opposite
thing in the morning, I get up, I call again, and, and sure enough, the car has made it to Kentucky. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, now I know my car is stolen. And they're like, okay, call the Fort Lauderdale Police Department, have them come to your house, do a police report, and then have them call OnStar, and we'll coordinate, and we'll get your car pulled off the road. So they pulled the car off the road in Paducah, Kentucky. Here this is, a 2016 Calax CTS, beautiful car, practically brand new. They tinted the windows on the outside. They hotboxed it with so much weed you couldn't breathe when you got in. <laughs> there were four people in the vehicle, none of which were the person that actually rented the vehicle for me. And they get pulled over in McCracken County, Kentucky, by the Sheriff's Department, and everybody's like, well, what do we do now? So, Turo had two choices. It would either make this right or make me angry. And I will say they did a tremendous job of making it right. They flatbed, they partnered with a company called Swoop. They had them go in, pick it up from the Sheriff's Department. They flatbedded the car back to me. They paid to have it detailed twice to get the to get the, well, the majority of the weed smell out of it. Uh, they <laughs> paid to have the window tent removed. They really yeah, paid me the inconvenience. They paid me all the extra miles that the customer put on the car. It was, it was a pretty healthy claim by the time all things were considered. And, I, you know, my friends are like, are you nuts? Are you, what are you doing? Like, are you really going to rent this out again? And I said, yeah, you know, like, what, why wouldn't I? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, made, they made it all right, and my friends are just like, okay, we're done with to be honest, we're done with you. And uh, sure enough, uh, after that, uh, things have been have been pretty smooth. There's always funny stories here and there. There's, there's issues that have happened, and, but you you just you learn how to work through them, right? I, I, had, a, I had another customer that did fifteen thousand dollars of damage to my Challenger. Had the whole front end of it get torn off, and you know it was a seventeen year old young driver that. She hit everybody. She hit the whole, everybody that was sitting at the stoplight that pulled out. <laughs> she clipped all of them. So she was pretty equal opportunity in her damage. And uh, she just, you know, she, she ripped everybody's car up. And sure enough, Tura stepped in, got it fixed, got it repaired. And you look at that car, you'd never know the difference. Nice, nice. Hey. I think you answered every question oh, okay. on my list with that. So, yeah, my, my thing is, okay, so... You said Turo takes 25%, right? Yep. So, okay, every time I look at you, I'm your Airbnb guy. And every time I look at Turo, the numbers scare me. I'm like, how do you make a profit doing this? So I'm like, this is what I want to know. Are you renting the cars or are you buying the cars? Like, oh, my, the my cars, cars are coming in. The... No. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So the reason I say no to leases, leases are very dangerous because leases have very specific provisions in them that say... Uh, as a matter of fact, we have two companies right now. I think it's VW and BMW that have made their leases. Leases very, uh, very nervous because they've stated very clearly: if you lease a car from us and you put it out on Turo, you run the risk of your car being repossessed, and because it's a violation of the terms of the contract of your lease. Most lenders, um, they don't, they don't mess with it too much. There's a there's credit unions and banks here and there that have no. Because they see it as a commercial use, and you have to be really careful about how you position to banks what you're doing. Like, I, fortunately, uh, I buy a lot of my cars from one place, and I have a finance guy who's a wizard who he knows how to talk to the banks about what I do. And you know, just to give you some some background, like I just purchased a purchased a new vehicle last week, and uh, he was working with the various banks to get my approvals taken care of, and he had a couple. 
multiple competing offers and he called the one bank and they looked at it a second time and they said, all right, this dude has X number of cars. Like, why would I floor plan him? Why, why does he need all these cars? And, you know, my, my finance guy explains to him and he's like, I'm not trying to have him on a car dealership thanks to us. And then they come to the next bank and the next bank was like, oh, we don't care. As long as he's, you know, paying his bills and he's got this kind of credit score and he's got this kind of payment history, we'll sell him too. You know, so it's, it, you really have to kind of be careful with things like that because uh, some banks are sensitive, some aren't. It's like, it's like some airports are sensitive to you doing airport drop-offs because technically uh, you have to have a permit for that. So, the, and, and Turo is working with cities around the country to, to resolve that on a one-on-one basis. But <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was reading today, um, Las Vegas, if you do curbside pick up, it's $100 fine now. Uh, Salt Lake City, they'll throw you off the airport property. And just so... There's a, lot, there's a lot of ins and outs and stuff like that. But in terms of how you make money, it's it's really like you kind of have to look at it and say, I won this, the CEO's responses. You can buy any car you want, and as long as you can rent it out for 11 days a month at the right price, you can at least make that car payment. So the thought was, Turo initially kind of existed so that enthusiasts could go and buy a second car, do what they wanted to do, rent it out for so many days a month, and then they would be able to have that Corvette they wanted or that Aston Martin they wanted. And that was a great idea. And then suddenly they realized, well, we can go a lot further than that if we encourage people to put not-so-nice cars out on the platform, or not-as-nice cars out on the platform. The whole terminology for this is called shooters. Uh, the thought is that it's the kind of car you'd want to be in if you shot somebody because the police wouldn't be able to find you amongst a million of them. That's why the Toyota Yaris number one car on the Turo platform uh, is because you can get lost in a Yaris right in a parking lot. <laughs> um, so there's there's that aspect of it. So, you you know, yes, as long as you can rent it out for 11 days a month, and you usually should be able to pay for your car payment and insurance. And then once you rent above and beyond that, tends to target the profit. You have to control your mileage and your pricing very carefully to make sure that any maintenance costs you're incurring on your car get absorbed into this as well. But then there's this wonderful thing called depreciation. And depending on how many cars you have, you're either riding off a 53 and a half cent a mile for every mile that your customers are driving, or if you're like me and you have as many cars as I have, you're actually getting to apply graduated depreciation plus bonus depreciation to your cars. And your, your tax return then becomes the second source of income, really, because you get a pretty, pretty healthy, if it's done correctly, you get a pretty healthy return back. And you can modify and adjust that and carry dollars over from year to year to make, it, you know, to make your business's profitability look a certain way on paper. But this year, I was just like, okay, I bought this many cars, I took this much bonus depreciation. That took that much of my tax obligation away, not only for my Turo income, but for my day job income. It actually wiped the vast majority of my of my tax, you know, obligations. And I, so I made a nice, extra, healthy chunk of change that way too. Nice. It's wow. okay. <laughs> a, a lot to dig into so, right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm loving this stuff. So, okay, so I run my numbers as I do 15 days, like for to run my numbers on Airbnb, example. I do 50, after 15 days, everything should be a profit. So, and I also know like a number for like, let's say I'm trying to rent a place and then re-rent it on Airbnb. I know $1,300 a month for one bedroom, one bath is my number. What exactly, what number are you looking for when you go and lease a car? You say, okay, I can have this car payment, this insurance, and I know I'm going to make a profit off this car. 
Ooh, see, there, there's a, there's an art and a science to this, and a lot of it has to do with understanding the market. So okay. for me, I I go about this a little a little different way. I I analyze the Dallas market and I say, first let me look at the list of top thirty cars that the Turo publishes that are the most popular cars on the platform. And I say, okay, how many of those cars exist in Dallas? What are they renting for? What kind of discounts do people provide at the one-week mark and the one-month mark and free delivery after so many days? And a lot of those cars are not in a territory that I want to play with. So I personally, I won't buy a Yaris. I won't buy a Sentra. I won't buy a Versa. I, mean, I, don't, I don't want cars that you could, on a special, go and get for $20 a day and it's your local dollar renter car, right? Like, I try to, I try to get vehicles that are either unique uh, or a, a little more upscale, uh, so that I, I can set myself apart from uh, what what else is out there. Then you look at it and you say, okay, my category, what's popular and what's not. So you would think in Texas, in particular, that trucks would do really well because a lot of people they want to come down, they want to have a Texas experience. So last year I bought a 2017 Ram Laramie Crew Cab. Beautiful truck, leather interior, fully loaded, all the all the bells and whistles you could want. Payment, not the best payment in the world because it's a fifty-five thousand dollar truck. Ooh. So in order for it to make that money, it had to be renting at a certain price, and it had to be renting out a certain number of days a month. And then you know, ideally, any car I want to put on the market, I want it making at least twice its payment and in insurance because that's that's just my my goal. So whatever it takes for me to get double the payment and insurance, then I'm happy. Well, the truck is a perfect example. I thought the market was going to bear the truck. I had regular customers that loved to rent the truck for one or two or three weeks at a time, but that's it. it, and it as a matter of fact, the month of December, the truck sat, except for three days. The whole month of January, the truck sat. So I just got rid of the truck because it was, you know, a, a really a, kind of a negative investment and it was really weighing down on things. Um, you look at what's not out there, you look at what is there, and then you look at, you know, is there is there something that's just, like, completely underserved because the people that do have them out there are, are pricing them ridiculously. And that's a good example of something that I just recently did. I purchased a C-Class Mercedes, the 2015 low miles, got a heck of a deal on it, you know, covered it with what I needed to cover it with. And I bought it because, Everybody else that had one on Turo in Dallas, it's like they didn't want anybody to drive it. They had it priced for $119, $129, $139 a day. No rent, one rent, no rent, one rent. I mean, just, just it was like, okay, well, here, let me rent this thing because I'm just not home or something. But they weren't really trying. So I came in, bought it for $69 a day. And I, as a matter of fact, I got it back today, but I haven't seen it in a month. It's been, it's just been up and moving. Wow. So. It's really about being able to kind of manipulate. And, and so Turo is not great with analytics. I know with Airbnb, you have a lot of tools where you can get a lot deeper analytics. With Turo, you basically have to sit with Excel and the map and do some searching and, and scanning and, and really kind of gather your own data to make your own conclusions. And, you know, we have owner's boards on Facebook and things like that and you know, the, the number one most aggravating question I get asked is oh you know I should buy this car should I buy this car well go do the math go go search go go look at the market go look at other markets because you know 
Dallas is a, I would, I hate to say it, but it's a relatively soft Euro market. Uh, it's very saturated. There's a lot of people who have cars out there that really aren't trying very hard to rent them because of their pricing, and they get in the way of the people who are trying to, to make a business out of it. But our prices are probably 30% on average lower than, say, the D.C. market or the L.A. market or the San Francisco market. And there's no recovery from that because it's just the way it's been unless everybody kind of slides their prices up together. Uh, and there's also fairly heavy competition from the rail car companies here, some, sometimes more than others, but um, it's, it's not always easy. And you don't always get it right. And, and I guess that's probably the more that I would want everybody to take away with. You don't always get it right. I just, you know, ate a, ate a fairly large amount of an equity on the truck because, quite frankly, that was what I had to do to move it. But it allowed me to make some other business decisions that I think would make my year this year that much better. Okay, 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 okay. I, got, <laughs> I had like a million questions on that on that particular um, on that uh, topic right there or those topics. Uh, first one, you said um, you got rid of the truck, and how do you get rid? How do you go about getting rid of a fifty five thousand truck fifty five thousand dollar truck that ain't making money for you? How do you how do you cut ties with it so easily? Uh, you have you have to be willing to invest and. In, in either trade creatively, leverage rebates and resources to bury that inequity in different ways. Uh, I mean, basically, I took two vehicles. One had positive equity, one had negative equity. I traded both of them together, turned it into a vehicle for myself, and then took the vehicle that I'd had for myself for the last eight months and turned it into a Turo fleet car because it had depreciated in value enough for me to be able to cover it under the insurance policy. So you just... Holy you just got to play with the math, and, and I mean, I, I, if I were a one-car owner, that would be a heck of a bad mistake to make, but because I had resources around that did have equity and I was able to make those moves, I was able to, to kind of, you know, avenge my sin, if you will. So you're, like, kind of doing, like, um, high-level um, advanced real estate <laughs> dealing, on, but, like, on wheels. That's kind of like, that's what, that's what it made me think of, like, 1031 exchanging some houses to get a different house that makes yeah. you more profit. That's crazy. That's, that's the way to do it. I mean, <coughs> you know, I think if, I think the, if you can find, and the other key is don't buy new if you, can, if you can avoid it because obviously new gets you that really nasty depreciation curve in year one, and that's why the truck came back to bite me. If I went and bought a two-year-old Ram, that was the same equipment and the same truck overall that had 20,000 miles on it to start, I'd have paid $15,000 less for it and been in a payment and equity position to where I probably would have kept it. But that was a, that was a rookie error. That was while I was still trying to understand and grow my fleet that I made that purchase decision. And, and now, I, now I know better, and now I would never tell anybody to do that. Pretty much everything I put in my fleet is one to two years old on average, if not a little bit older than that. Low miles, but higher-end cars. That way, you know, the person that wants to drive the Lexus or the Mercedes gets that feeling, and it's a great car, but it doesn't have to necessarily be showroom brand new. Nice. And, and, and real quickly, one more question before uh, Mike. I know Mike is itching to jump in, but... Um, you had a truck. You had a truck, and is there like in their websites where you can rent out trucks, and they, that does pretty good? Uh, 
fluid, and they just made it to Dallas a couple of months ago, and I had a great conversation with them about growing their business, and I tried my truck out on their platform, and it, and it hit like once in, oh. in three months. Well, that ain't good. Micah, you got something to add? Wow. <laughs> oh, man, no. He's probably no, looking no, for I'm cars like, right now, really. I actually am. Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at like the competition aspect. Like, who, would you say your competition is more other Toro drivers, or is it the traditional car rental companies? My my first and foremost competition is a hybrid of those. Those are our power hosts that have airport proximity that have between twenty and forty cars that kind of try to dominate the airport market to make it harder for me to do business at the airport. Then it's the rental car companies. Then it's the 1Z, 2Z, 3Z, 3 people. Uh, okay. And then, like, okay. Because when Turo first came out, and I was like, man, Turo, you know, because Turo's technically not really cheap compared to car rental places. So I was thinking, well, maybe Turo's main market would be like people that are under I think 20 if you're not 25 you can't rent from a car rental company right would you say your target market is our younger is a younger crowd uh not necessarily uh and I would also say that depending on the car you have um it's all about pricing so for example my 2017 Challenger SXC is not even, you know, an RT, but it's blacked out. It's got the great look, leather interior, whole nine yards. That car, I rented for 55 to 65 a day. Uh, and Enterprise typically rents Challengers, and, and especially on airport, Hertz rents it, and it's usually $99 a day or $89 a day. So, like, ooh, yes, you can, you know, you can, you can you can play the price game with the, with the rental car companies, and it depends. Now, the people that are out there renting Corollas for forty dollars a day, by the time you add on trip fees and everything, yeah, it, it, it probably in a lot of cases is cheaper. But then they leverage the fact that you know I can do curbside service, I can do, or in in this case now it's kind of across the curb service because it's. DFW, it's in the garages directly across, and if it's low, it's in more of the local garages that they can, that's, you know, they walk to. They don't even leave the airport. But I think that we 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 do stay fairly competitive with the rental car companies, but also we offer cars that rental car companies don't offer. I mean, if you want a C-class Mercedes, yes, you can you can get one through National, but you're going to pay ninety nine dollars that. Yeah, I'm gonna rent it for sixty. Wow, I could see, I could definitely see Turo putting a dent in like the market because I'm looking on Turo and a seven passenger, seven passenger suburban's going for a hundred a day, but you can get a Lincoln Navigator for fifty a day. So, (laughs) oh well, here's a funny you hit that example. The the Tahoe that I manage during the week, thirty nine dollars a day. During the weekend, seventy nine dollars a day. That's the decision that my that my partner makes in terms of how he wants to price his vehicle. Uh, but a lot of times that vehicle is gone twenty five days out of the month based on his pricing strategy. So, well, granted, he may be only making eleven $1, hundred, twelve hundred dollars a month on on that, depending on how it pays out. 
But he's also, it's a 2012, and he's paying probably $400 a month in payment of insurance, paying me a little bit to manage, and he's still walking away with five six hundred dollars a month. And, oh, by the way, he's not doing anything because I need the loan. <laughs> Dude, real quick, wow. I, that's what I was gonna. I was gonna mention. I was like, the the rental car, the rental agencies, like you said, you know, the whatever, the Ford, the Taurus, the the Focus, whatever the hell, those those are always you know priced cheaply. But it's man, they they the price jumps up like crazy when it gets to the SUVs, you know. Yep. And so for him to be written wow. out an SUV so cheaply, man, that's just insane. And so. The, the speculator says, wow, let me go out and find a three- or four-year-old Tahoe with 50,000 miles on it that's still got plenty of life in it because they engineer those vehicles for 200,000 miles because they're in police forces and library and all that. So let me go find one that you know I can get a $500 month payment on, and let me go play beat the rental car companies. But while that's a good idea, you have to still know, okay, are there 10 others in Dallas that they rent it all the time if you're number 11? Or are you really hitting on a good idea? Or are you somewhere in between? And the only way you know that is through doing the right amount of research in the platform. Wow. Man, yeah. Chris, I think I'm about to ready to go get a tour of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you charge the man what those of us in Truro would like to see is is better partnerships between Airbnb hosts and people who have Truro Fleet. That oh. way it stays passive for you. And you, you find ways to, to, you know, compensate or kick back or make arrangements so that, you know, if, if my... If my fleet is tied to your rentals and somebody rents one of my cars and rents your apartment then, you know, we, we work out some sort of thing where, you, where you're getting, you know, a finder's fee off of that or whatever, and, you know, they're trucking along. Uh, one of the great ways Turo facilitates that is if it's a first-time customer, they can find up with Turo and they get a $25 thing off of their bill, and then you get a $25 credit, and you bank for those credits, and then you can go out when you're on vacation, you can go rent a crazy car, but... I, I've seen different people do different arrangements. Some people, they just, you know, they, they have, they both have a mix. Like my, my Turo partner that I'm working with, he's, you know, he's getting ready to start getting more into Airbnb. And the conversation we've had is that, you know, when, when he needs help with his Airbnb, get keys to somebody or whatever, that I helped him with that. And then he helps me in return by making sure that all of his customers will know about my cars and, you know, can get matched up to them accordingly. Hey, check, check this out. We can make a little bit of a deal here. <laughs> I actually promote business cards inside of my uh, Airbnb. Do you have a tour card? I do. I absolutely do. Oh, if you do, the I challenge is you would want to you would want to promote that before they book. So it would almost oh, be yeah. it, and, I, and I don't know what Airbnb rules are about what you can and can't put in your listings. But ideally, you'd want to be like, oh, hey, by the way, since you're booking my apartment, you know, are you, are you, since you're traveling, do you also need a car? If so, use this link to sign up for $25 off of Churro, and then here's the, here's the car, you know, here's the profile that I recommend renting from, and it would steer them directly to, say, my cars or whoever's cars, but you can make a direct relationship like that, and then that way you're referring to me. 
typically the traveler that's running a car has made that decision before they ever walk in your door. Oh, yeah, I could easily do that. You know, as soon as they ship their request, say, hey, you know, hey, we got some Turo cars over here. So that's what you're looking at. You're looking at more like partnering with the people that already have Airbnbs and then just play the finder's fee game. Uh, yeah, because unless you, I mean, for, for somebody who wants to keep it passive, right, what better way mm-hmm. to do that? Unless, unless you want to have vehicles and have somebody manage them for you, and, and not and granted, for me, that's what this year is all about. I, I don't intend to continue to grow my fleet because of the tax obligations, the maintenance obligations, the time obligations. But what I can do is provide management services to people who do want to buy a vehicle, but they don't want to fool with all the ins and outs of Turo, they don't want to do airport deliveries, they don't want to do any of that. So that's that's another way that I look to partner with people. But you know, because it is, it, it's not a you know as much as people would like to say, it's it's not a passive income. There's there's a lot of work that goes into having a successful Turo business because you do have to get the cars to the right places at the right time. You have to handle when things go wrong. And, I mean, granted, yeah, somebody can tear your sink off your wall in your house, but gosh, you hope that's only never going to happen, right? But, you know, minor things happen with Thoreau quite regularly. You know, people get parking tickets and you have to go through and deal with that. You've got to generate back their toll bills to them and, and deal with stuff like that. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. And, and I mean, if there's, a, if there's somebody out there that they have the kind of flexibility to be able to do the work as it relates to the airport pickups and custom deliveries and things and they want to grow with their own business, that's cool in addition to Airbnb. But I think what we've, what, you know, the conversations that I've had with people that do both is it's a lot of work. And then the conversations that I've had with a lot of people that are just in Airbnb that talk about Turo, they're like, well, hey, I'd like to be able to offer my customers this, you know, this extra value. Uh, and then, well, what does it do for me? Yeah, then that's when you get into the conversation of binder seeds or, you know, leveraging the, the promotional credits or even simply, as, as, you know, like in, in our case, you know, being able to use me as a guest host and I can go and do key turnovers as I'm dropping off the vehicle and you not even have to be there to do that and stuff like that. Here's, some, here's something that jumps out okay. at me, Chris, oh. real quick, if I can, if I could jump in. Um I think you might you might be onto something really big because this okay like for example I was looking for uh, uh, a hotel and a car you know uh, yes yeah, today and this, and whenever I look for a hotel or whenever I look for an Airbnb whatever first thing I do yeah I get the spot first I get the Airbnb or I get the hotel first and then I go look for the car I just want to make sure I'm gonna get a good place blah 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 where is it gonna be and then I go looking for the rental car. And and here's 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 one thing that you're that I mean you might even be just you know the same price as the rental car agency, but if you if if I was looking at a spot and I really liked it like an Airbnb, and then I saw that um, it comes with a, a car rental for twenty five bucks a day whatever, and I'm I'm just throwing some ideas out there, and and I just see the convenience yeah. I just see the convenience of it because I'm like wow, and and let's say let's say you throw on a free uh, a free Uber ride to your house. So in, in other words, I land at the airport, get my bags. I don't have to go to the damn waiting line at the freaking rental car agency counter, sit there, and then finally talk to them. And then they try to upsell me with all their damn insurance. And then they go do the inspection, go walk around the car, do all that BS. I could just get, I could land, get my bags, get into the Uber, straight to the house. Car's waiting for me. I mean, it's just, 
I just see it being a, such a beautiful, hassle-free thing that you're creating here. Well, and I'll, I'll just put a twist on that. You don't even need Uber. You've got you've got Turo host that's going to go and take the car out to the airport, pick your customer up in the airport, take them back to your house, let them in, make sure that they're taken care of as a, as a guest host, leave them the keys, and their car is at your house because they had to go over there anyway, and off you know, off they go, leaving them the car, and, and they're set. That is amazing. Just for the convenience sake wow. of that's it all. The kind of, that's the kind of partnership that I dream about, because to me, I like, it, 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 fits, uh, it fits the model, and it, it means that I can get that customer right from the airport, I can make sure they have a good experience, I can address any, any last-second issues you may have with Airbnb hosts that you know, you need somebody to, to make sure that the house is taken care of. And in return, I've got somebody in my car for the weekend. And when it comes time for them to check out, I can take them back out to the airport. And I can drop them off. And, and so there you have it. They, you know, they paid me a delivery fee built into the reservation. But they've, they've then, you know, taken advantage of having the car for the weekend, having somebody to shuffle them around to the airport, not having to deal with the rental car company on either side. And I'm dropping them at the gate saying, see you later. <laughs> that is wicked. Okay. So, in order for me, I, I was ready to jump into the Toro market, but then you were saying it's a lot of work, so I climbed back up the ledge. So, I have a question for you. What tools are needed to make Toro passive, if it can be? I, I don't think Toro can be passive, because the fact is, you still have to move the vehicles around. It's not like a house where people have to come to you. Uh, customers, a lot of our customers with Zero want the vehicle delivered to them. They, they want it curbside. We have some people that get mad at BMW because we won't do curbside, and you know, it's literally the parking garage is seven steps across the across the crosswalk. And they're like, "Well, I want it at the curb," and I'm like, "Okay, well, uh, I I don't want airport police in my face, so we're going to need you to walk seven steps." <laughs> right there in the first row. But uh, let's work together on this one. And, uh, you know, you people get to it past it. But, uh, I mean, there are some cool tools out there. There's a company called Street Smarts. They, they have a software API that plugs in on the back end of Turo. They will automate your tolls. They can automate key messages for you. They give you some better, uh, some better stats around how your utilization and things are working. Uh, they charge you per month per car. I think it's $10 per month per car. Uh, the toll part is free, though. I actually use them for that. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of it'll, it'll automatically log into my toll tag, pull down whatever tolls that customer had for that trip, and then it'll send them an automated message, and it'll, auto, it'll also submit the reimbursement request as well to say, hey, you, know, you had $14 in tolls. Here's where they were. Thank you so much for being an awesome customer. Pay your crap, you know, <laughs> and then it'll they'll, they'll reimburse it through the app. So it's, it's you know stuff like that is pretty cool, and uh, it's just uh, those are little things, right? But you're you're never going to have anybody that's going to tell you that Zero is passive, especially if you want to be aggressive about it and, and really give a good customer experience and make sure that that your pipeline is, is full of customers. What's what's hilarious is about is, is about you were saying that they want curbside, 
and um, they have to walk a few steps to the, uh, you know, at DFW Airport anyways. They have to, you know, just walk a few steps to get their car. And if they only knew what the what a beatdown the freaking process was at DFW Airport and at many airports, you have to wait for a damn shuttle to come get you, to take you like a, a mile and a half away to your car, and you still got to go through the rental car process. It's it's free, and they're complaining about walking across the street to get their car. It's hilarious. And I and I try to gently tell them that as best as I can. And honestly, you're you're spot on. Like it's it's really like okay. I promise you, I'm giving you a better experience. And then what happens is they they come to realize it. I mean. I in, in my 260 some odd rentals that I've had, I've had three customers out of 263 that have rated me less than five stars. The one guy got mad because he returned the car late, and I charged him the late. I gave him a choice. I said, "You're either going to pay the cleaning fee or the late fee because you returned a filthy car and you returned it 45 minutes late. So which one did you want to pay? Because I'll take one of them away, but I'm not taking both away." So he got mad. The second guy. Um, well, the Challenger got vandalized and had scratches on it, and uh, the guy came to pick it up. And I told him well beforehand, "Hey, I can switch you to another car. I do, you know, do anything but to make sure you have a good experience." He takes the Challenger. He comes back. He gives me four stars. And then the the last one was uh, related to uh, the guy blew a tire. And he didn't feel like he needed to pay for the fact that he blew the tire. So, you know, in 260-some-odd rentals, five stars across the way, except for the most of the rentals. And, and what happens is people start to seek you out for that as well, and they see the experience that you can provide. And I've had a lot of customers that have told me lately, hey, you know, I picked you out of this group because you seem to know, you know, what you're doing or whatever. You seem to give great customer service. And that's, you know, it's just as imperative for me as it is for you as an Airbnb host to have that, that sort of word of mouth working in your favor uh, before you ever even meet the customer. Uh, it's, yeah, that's, that's similar to Airbnb in a way. Um, what Micah likes to do at his Airbnbs is, is, leave, is leave condoms for his guests. Do you leave condoms in your car for your guests? <laughs> I leave uh, water bottles. <laughs> I occasionally, if it's a holiday or something, I might leave holiday candy in there. I don't want people procreating in my car. Um, <laughs> no, they're not going to procreate. Mean, I, mean, I, I don't even know though. if I want to procreate in my Airbnb. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of extra laundry. <laughs> required. I, mean, I, might, I, might, I might have to get some plan B to go along with that. <laughs> in case you wake up tomorrow and have regrets fear but uh, no I, uh, I I have been known for my because I do have a couple like super regular customers and I have been known to, to do a little something extra for them, for them here and there okay you don't want to have a Turo brothel going on right um no <laughs> I mean if we've seen in the news recently it, it, it doesn't pay to pay for sex uh, especially if you own the Patriots <laughs> okay now is a happy ending really sex is that is a happy ending sex I'm just I'm getting a you know I'm asking you guys 
Where is yeah, this I conversation? Read a, I read a whole article today about why people do that. I, I, I want the 13 minutes of my life back that I said that article. <laughs> That's what Kraft said. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, we're going off the rails here. <laughs> <laughs> We've left the reservation. Are we gonna say okay. Me? So, okay. all right. So, I guess my, my question is: so, what what's your high what, what what's your highest grossing vehicle that's on tour? Uh, it's actually the Challenger. The, the Challenger really? made uh, it's, it's weight in gold last year. Even after, I'll, even though I call it something because of the accident and everything else, it is it is a, a steady vehicle. Um, the I have a 2014 Lexus GS350 F-Sport that was, I actually bought it mid-year, and it stayed pretty hot and peppy for the second half of the year. I can already tell that the Mercedes is going to do me well. Um, the other vehicle that I traded this past week when I traded the truck had a 2013 Audi S5 convertible, and Ooh. had it not been such a maintenance nightmare, it was it was very well rated, and it was rating at a nice dollar rate, um, but it just... Um, it it lights the brake things, and uh, so I had to. I had no qualms about letting that one go away. Mm. So you say, uh, yeah, definitely the Challenger. I think the Mercedes for me this year will be another. It'll it'll, it'll be neck and neck for the two of them. And then the car that I just flipped over into the fleet that is waiting for its first rent. Uh, I bought a 2018 Kia Singer GT last August for myself and just thought, okay, I'm going to keep this a while, see how it goes. Great car, love it. I think I think anybody that rents it's going to be, just, they're going to not want to get out of it. Um, and I just put it into the fleet this week to, uh, you know, kind of swap things around. And I'm hoping that'll, that'll be like my dark horse surprise of the year, that that'll take off and go. Now what about... Wow, the Kia Stinger. What about electric cars? You ever thought of doing one of those, throwing one of those on there? So, we have plenty of people in the market that they, they love to do Teslas and all that stuff. And, um, I'm afraid to put mortals in Teslas. I just think that, the, especially, you know, if it has an autopilot and all that stuff, like, I don't want some, some person wrecking my car or hurting themselves because they weren't paying enough attention to the road. Uh, I just, plus, like, we read all these war stories from Turo hosts about, you know, they ran my Tesla out to 120 miles an hour and flew around like crazy and all the wear and tear. And I don't know, just, I thought about it this last round because you can get some pretty decent deals on used Model S's now. But I'm just not ready yet. I, I just I think there's a learning curve that comes with those cars, like teaching people how and when to charge, and, you know, making them have to think about range and stuff like that. Uh, that I just, you know, I can't even get them to barely to remember to you know turn the bass back down on the radio once you you know blasted it for 500 miles. <laughs> I, I heard like <laughs> I had a customer get in my Mercedes on Friday and he couldn't figure out how to disengage the parking brake. So I mean, you know. If, if I have to overcome things like that, I'll, I'll stick with that because when it comes to like, you know, here's my super technical gigantic touchscreen car and I can't figure out how to make my, you know, cool seats get rid of my swamp ads, then I, I just, I don't know. 
I, it just crossed my mind because, like, of all the hassles of, of renting a car, you know, the hassles of travel, the hassles of renting a car, getting a shuttle to the car, having to deal with the desk and all the upsells and all that crap, finally getting your car. And Anyways, the, the final hassle before you turn in the dang car is you have to go and find a gas station while you're rushing to the airport to make your flight and fill it up close, and you have to gauge it close enough to the airport so the rental car company won't try to charge you 80 bucks you know even if, if you didn't if you use just a little bit of the gas you know but I, that's why i thought well shit the the um the electric car would alleviate that you just hey turn you know charge it up and take it back whatever i i think that there's to me there might be a happy medium and now that the car is about to be discontinued i think they're going to be uh they're going to be fairly popular on the used market and that's the the latest generation chevy volt because of the Volt is a plug-in with a gasoline engine, I, I honestly think that if I were going to do something, that's probably what I would do, is something that's not a true full electric plug-in, something that if they do run it out of electricity, that there's a gas reserve and they can, you know, take care of what they need to take care of. So I've contemplated that, because even even those right now are, are kind of dropping like a rock in the used market. Ooh. But, again, it's kind of like... I don't, I don't know, like, I, it, it, the size of the car, the, I just, I, I don't like competing in that compact car market because it, it's hard, like, there's, everybody and their brother in Dallas goes out and puts a $30 Corolla out there, or a $29, you know, bought my Taurus for my grandmother, I, I don't know, like, it's just, that, that, there's, there's not a lot of room to be successful down at that price point. Whereas I play in the fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty dollar a day price point cars, and it takes a certain customer to rent those cars, but that customer is still pretty readily available to rent. Sweet. Um, okay. So <laughs> this is another thing. I have a question, kind of that, that kind of goes with that. So, is there an option in Turo's platform to say, "Hey, this car can be dropped off to you," or "Hey, this car you have to go and get," so the customer already knows beforehand? what they're getting before they buy. Yeah, you control that. So, like, if you were to go into one of my listings, they would say, okay, if you want it delivered to DFW, it's $35. If you want it delivered to Low Field, it's $30. If you want it delivered anywhere in a, to a custom address, anywhere in a 15-mile radius of my location, it's $50. Uh, if you want to compare and pick it up, you don't obviously pay anything for that. Okay, so... It, so we, we, you could say, technically, is it more profitable to go drop the vehicle off to them because you can have an extra upcharge, or does the gas balance it out? Oh, no, there's there's definitely money to be made in the upcharge. And, and But the problem is you have to be careful about it because it's, it's used. I mean, I can make money on the upcharge because I can take the train back. And, you know, there's that $6, mm-hmm. and then I'm done. You know, round trip, $6. But if I live in Plano and I'm doing airport, and I have to figure out how to get home from the airport back to Plano, and that's a $25 Uber, well, then suddenly you have to raise the cost of your delivery fees up to a pretty exorbitant amount to where you could no longer play ball. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of people that if you rent it for five days or more or seven days or more or whatever, they'll waive the airport delivery fee. So then for longer-term customers, you're actually competing against those super hosts at the airport that will wave the seat, and you have to decide if that's you know that's ball that you want to play. 
Mm. It sounds like there's a little bit of, it sounds a lot like Airbnb. You know, you can set minimum night stays and then you can waive certain things. Uh, like, for example, if it's a monthly stay, you can waive 10% or you sound like you're saying, okay, you keep take this vehicle for seven days, I'll waive the drop-off fee. Yeah, and you can apply discounts to the vehicle on top of that as well. <clears> so then the average Turo host probably gives <laughs> – 15% off of a weekly rental and 30% off of a monthly rental. Um, I don't believe in those numbers. I do 5 and 10. Um, doesn't seem to hurt my business much. Uh, some people, we say turn it off altogether because there's some, uh, there's a thing that is, say you, say you started out renting the car for five days, okay, there's no discount. And then you extend and then you extend and suddenly you're in seven days. Well, sometimes what happens is the system says, oh, well, we're going to go ahead and give you a one-week discount now that you've done that, and now that seventh day, the host makes nothing. Oh. So because that's the way their system is set up, a lot of our local a lot of our local hosts are like, yeah, not not playing that game, don't like getting the zero-day, the zero-dollar extension, and therefore they've turned some of those discounts and things off. So you're always competing against people that are willing to give up money just to have a customer. And, you know, I don't know. For me, that's, there's there's times where I will go and play that game. If, if every car is sitting and I don't have reservations outstanding, I may go and play around with my fees or I may go and do free airport deliveries for a week <clears> or something just to try to kick business up. But I, it's not sustainable. I, not if you want to make money. As they say, it's a race to the bottom, wow. right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think really it's it's about you, you want to attract people because of your customer service ratings. You want people to say, okay, that's somebody I want to work with. And because that person has 250-some-odd ratings, I'm willing to pay $30 to have the car delivered round trip and, and dealt with. You know, and, or I'm, I'm, you know, willing to do this or that versus, you know, dealing with the rental car company or dealing with some of our hosts. Because I, I hate to say it, but not everybody in Turo is um, on the up and up. You know, for the longest time, you used to be able to charge up to $3 a mile for mileage overage over your allotments. And if you had a car that you rented that had a 100-mile-a-day cap on it and somebody returned it, you know, 72, do- 72 miles over their cap... That's 72 times $3 a mile. And suddenly you're getting hit with a very ugly upcharge that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you earned it because you're the one that rented the car that had the $3 a mile upcharge. (laughs) But uh, you're not going to come back to Turo, right? (laughs) You're you're just done. All right, check this out real quick. I was going to ask a question that probably been on your mind, Micah. Um, and you had a great, uh, well, you had a, a pretty great idea back in the day about renting out salvaged vehicles on Turo, getting them cheap and renting them out on Turo. Nope. And you cannot use anything that has a branded title. Turo scans the VIN right as you're adding the car. If it has a salvage title, you're, none of your insurance policies work. They will ban you. They're very strict on the safety requirements for the vehicle. Uh, at any given time, you can be pulled off the road if you have an open recall. Um, yeah, it's you gotta. You can go. I mean, you definitely can leverage somebody who who has access to 
the wholesale markets, the auto auctions, they help you get good deals on cars, but nothing with salvage titles, nothing with, with any branded lemon, any anything, dealer buyback, or manufacturer, say manufacturer buyback, none of that doesn't work. Oh. Okay. So it sounds like, after listening to you, it sounds like, it sounds like you can make Toro passes, but you just won't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Because, I mean, if you were to just say, let's say you get five vehicles, you sit them out in front of your house, and you tell people, hey, these are my Turo vehicles, I'm not dropping them, I'm not dropping them back off to you, you have to come pick them up, and you have to drop it back off. It's an inconvenience, but you, I don't think you'd make any money, right? You would, I mean, you figure 40% of my customers are airport right now, and I would say the other 60% are picking up from my house. You could use lock boxes. You could have them pick up from your house, and you would you would make anywhere from fifty to seventy percent less than you know a host that's willing to do full service and, and full time. I don't okay. know if you would make enough to pay your car payment, and that might be enough. But for some if you're people. somebody who's buying, let's let's turn, turn that let's turn that narrative around a little bit. I have an existing car that's, you know, five years old that falls under Turo that's got decent miles on it, and I decide I want to go out and buy a new, I don't know, BMW 4 Series. And I'm, I'm going to lease that, so I'm going to try to keep my miles down a little bit. I got a great lease payment on it. It's a beautiful car. I'm going to drive it. Well, I'm going to then take and rent my, you know, five-year-old Toyota Camry that only had 40,000 miles on it, and I'm going to use that money to pay the lease payment on my BMW. For that person, it may be okay that they don't do airport runs, because they may say, you know, it's not worth it for me to do that. I can lockbox, and customers can come and get the car. I can set it up for an hour notice. I can always have photos ready to go, and you know, they, they may be okay with that. But it, I think it all depends on what your end game is. Um, okay. I guess, I guess the well. the biggest thing I get out of all this, and, and it kind of reminds me of Airbnb, it's very similar to Airbnb in many ways, is, um, and I listen to this podcast called The Minimalists, because, you know, I know, I'm not a minimalist, I try to, da- I dabble in it a little bit, but... What they preach is, um, they have like a catchphrase, love each other and use things, because the opposite never works. And I'm like, they break it down to things are just objects. And we've been, you know, here, especially in in America, we're like, oh, the house is a sacred thing. How could you let anybody stay in your house, you know? People are watering it every day, and, you know, it's like a, a sacred thing. Not watering the house, watering the yard. But... And and the cars, and that's the second sacred thing in, in our society, is like the car, it's your ride, man. You're gonna let you don't even let your friend drive your damn ride. And and you put it <laughs> and, and to, <laughs> to change it to where you're like if uh, people are like, No, no, I'm I'm renting out these houses and I and I know it's weird to trust people, but you make you you do it, you take the leap, you end up making pretty good money. And you rent out you rent out cars, you see them as objects, not like this um you know this what the commercials are throwing at you. This this is a, you know a fantasy thing. Whatever this 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 um, beautiful car. It's it's part of you. It's it's it, whatever. It's um, and you see it as like a tool 
to make money and that's that's like um it's like not a lot of people think like that but being able to just see it as an object instead of you know this this you know mythical thing is 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 a great way to make money and and yeah it's the share economy man it's it's a beautiful thing you have to recognize that there are things that are out of your control from the minute that that customer leaves no matter how hard I give them the rules, no matter, I tell them there's a module in the car that's monitoring their driving, because there is, no, no matter, uh, you know, how many times I tell them treated those yours, I don't know how they treat their cars, I, I may have just given them, give them an open invitation to think they're a part of the Indy 500, so, <laughs> you know, you have to recognize what's outside of your control, and you have to distance yourself from those feelings and say, okay, I am doing this because I'm, I'm a in this to you know generate a profit, and I'm, I'm here to bring a better life for myself and diversify my income. And you know what? If they bring it back and something's happened, then Toro's going to be there to help me deal with it because I I know what they expect of me as a host to make sure that the cars you know that the documented properly, and I know what they're going to expect of the customer, and, and you just deal with it and go on. I mean, I. I, I joked when I bought that stinger. I said, "Ah, and my and my friends are dying right now. They're like all week long. They've been ribbing me about it because they're like, oh, yeah, we knew, we knew you'd eventually end up putting it in Turo because you can say no matter how much you want that you're oh, I'm never going to put this car in Turo. I'm never going to put this car in Turo, and then sooner or later you end up doing it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, because you know eventually the depreciation comes off of it, and you got to you know you got to go out there and put it to work and, and make it make some money in this. The car that I bought to replace the Stinger, I'll say the exact same thing again. It's not going to touch true at least for a year or two, but eventually, I'm sure, before I get rid of it, it will spend some time on true so that other people can enjoy it. And it's, you know, it's it's really just about uh, knowing what you're, what you're trying to achieve. And like I said, whether it's you want to just take the money from the one car to help you pay for a new car or whether you want to grow out and have, you know, we have hosts in the platform that have built 200, 250 car, you know, basically rental car businesses in the Turo platform. I think at that point it stops becoming car sharing and you, you really are a rental car company and you're insured that way commercially and LLC and all of that. But for me, it's about you know, kind of riding that middle ground between let me have a nice size fleet of cars. Let me have great customers. Let me have great adventures without growing any bigger than I have. And then let me go find some cool Airbnb people. Let me go find some, you know, some people that want to diversify their income. And we'll go out and buy a car and put it on zero uh, and let me manage it for them and take care of it for them. And, and that's how you, you know, how you diversify off of the diversifier, right? Like it's a, it's a niche in a niche itself. Freaking doing it, man. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Hi, Micah. Man. Yeah, man. I've I got some good ideas over here, but I'm trying to make sure they'll work. Okay? <laughs> Can't do the whole passive thing. Just, just burn <laughs> the ships, bro. Burn control. the ships. What was that? Yeah, you, you can't really do the passive thing. You gotta be... You gotta be... You gotta be in it to win it. I mean, unless you're really trying... To, to just supplement your income, like I said, and pay for one other car, then I guess you probably can be fairly passive at it, but um, not if you're really trying to make money. And I mean, just to give you some perspective off the five cars 
that I had income generated off of last year, I, I grossed $55,000. And then wow. by the time you pay in Turo's 25% and payments on the cars and everything, I, I, I walked away with a little over 20000 And then there's the tax return, which was uh, about another $12,000 in return. Hey, so, just, just okay. What, what I'd like to know what some okay. You have six cars right now. What what are your Turo builds like goals? Like how many vehicles do you want to get up to? <coughs> oh, I I, I don't want to add anymore. I'm as a matter of fact, when oh. I traded two into one, <laughs> I, this is this is my stop point unless I'm managing cars for somebody else. At which point I charge a flat service fee. That is, uh, it's basically, I don't even charge a percentage of income. I just, I just charge a flat administrative fee per vehicle that includes a parking space across the street in the in the garage that's right across from my complex. And um, I, I manage the cars, you know, all the reservations and everything, bill back reimbursements. Uh, I have a million dollar umbrella policy that I'm covered under just in case something were to happen. Um, so that's how I will grow. From from here on out, I I don't want to uh, to continue to. Uh, I mean, eventually, I want to buy a house again. And the problem is when you have this many open lines of credit on cars, you know, it puts your debt utilization at a certain number, and it makes it hard for the banks to get you approved for a home loan, no matter how good your credit score is. And uh, so, I'd like to I'd like to kind of coast from where I am and uh, manage for other people, do partnerships with other people. Oh, okay, now, now you now you sparked my interest. <laughs> okay, have have you can you use Turo income for a loan? Yes, but because your car loans are in, unless you form an LLC and unless you buy cars under an LLC, which you didn't have to back with your personal credit anyway, um, <clears throat> you can use that income. But on the other end, you get dinged for the credit utilization. Gotcha. So, okay, now does Turo give you like a 1099 at the end of the year? Is any type of the only know, way you get a Turo? In, the only way you get a 1099 from Turo is if you do 200 or more trips in a year and exceed twenty thousand dollars in income. Well, so it's a, it's a, a two part uh, it's a two part calculator. Okay, so okay, so, so last year you did gross you grossed that right. So last year I grossed fifty five, but I didn't do two hundred trips, so I didn't ten ninety nine. Oh, oh, okay. So you have to do both. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was see, seeing how I could how you could leverage Turo. That, that's fair enough. Well, you've really spiked our interest, man. And uh, this has been a great interview, Chris. We appreciate you coming on and enlightening us on the world of Turo. And uh, real quick, uh, where can where can uh, people find you? You know, if, if they want to ask you questions or or get you to manage a tour. Oh, for them. absolutely! So uh, I actually do have a website for the for all of my tour activities, and it's uh, connect the, the number two share. Uh, so connect to share dfw dot com. To sharedfw.com. I just blasted that out all over Facebook, so they'll be hitting you up to manage their vehicles. Fantastic, <laughs> and there's a there's a Facebook page there as well. Uh, I offer consulting services by the hour to get people who are new to Turo set up. So I kind of have it broke down into a into a two part series, and we get their car listed and posted, and, 
and send them on their way or also the management services as well. So I, I've tried to tried to cover all the bases as it, as it relates to, to Turo and helping people that do want to be successful. Chris loves him some Turo. Uh, you know, it, it pays, pays, the, pays the bills for the deluxe apartment in the sky and, and uh, all that good <laughs> stuff. So you got to... You gotta, you gotta love the tarot because uh, <laughs> it, it does. It honestly is. It's, uh, it's, it's a great experience, uh, even through all the ups and downs. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate uh, you chiming in and letting us know about this awesome thing called tarot. And um, we'd like to thank all the fans for checking us out. I know it's a different episode, but uh, hey, this is the share economy. We cover everything, and tarot is a big part of it. It's coming up in the world. So there you go. Any final thoughts, yeah, Micah? Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank you, man. All right. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. Well, for Micah, this is Steve, and, and for Chris, uh, this is Live That Thrive, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.